From the studios of Boise State Public Radio News, I'm Gemma Gaudette. This is Idaho Matters. Along the banks of the Boise River, a scrubby, weedy landscape is being transformed back to a living, vibrant ecosystem thanks to the hard work of hundreds of volunteers from all across the Treasure Valley. It's called the Boise River Rewild Project and is the brainchild of the Golden Eagle Audubon Society, and their goal is to restore more than 50 acres of habitat along the river. To find out more, our producers, Samantha Wright and Hannah Gardoski, went down to the riverbank on a very windy day with Danae Fells with the Golden Eagle Audubon Society and Sean Finn, who leads the Rewild Project, as well as volunteer John Matthews. Let's take a listen. So we're going to walk about maybe uh, 200 yards up the river here and then to to the plots, to some of our restoration plots. Sound good? Awesome. Awesome. Can we walk and talk? Certainly. The whole idea is we're increasing the native biodiversity along the river, which we've lost, you know, over the last... 100 maybe 150 years since ever since really since the very first days of the Oregon Trail people have been down here literally can look around here right here there were people who were on the Oregon Trail who were camping right here right it's hard to believe but it's true and of course those people they stopped here their horses and their cattle fed up on the grass and and the other plants and when they were done and ready they moved on right and that's been the story of the Boise River on both banks for most, in most cases, people have come here, they've done things, they've gotten the resources that they needed, and when they were done, they moved on and started with the Oregon Trail, and it included all the years through the early years of the logging where they were floating logs down the river and decking logs up on the side. Uh, it was times when they were doing um, uh, gravel quarrying on both sides of the river, and then while they were doing other things, the river slowly degraded and all those native plants that were out here, you know, from time memorial until about 1850, you know, have slowly been lost just because we, we weren't paying attention, right? And now we want to pay attention, right? There's no reason why these areas are mostly weeds. The weeds serve no purpose to our pollinators and our other insects, very little purpose to our small mammals. They do nothing for the birds. They don't carry high energy um, nectar. They don't provide high energy berries, right? They're weeds, right? And we, we, the reason we call them weeds is because they generally don't belong here. Um, and so what we're doing is we're moving all those weeds and we're putting back the native biodiversity of wildflowers, native grasses, native shrubs that bear berries and other kinds of fruit. And we're allowing this process or initiating this process to rewild the river so that we can increase those bi- that biodiversity. And so that not only do we have wildlife that enjoy this area, but as the many, many people who love the river, whether they're swimming, whether they're boating, fly fishing, you know, other kinds of fishing, just walking the green belt will all be enriched because we have this greater biodiversity. And so the, the butterflies, bees, birds are the things that people will see here uh, that, that just weren't here because because uh, the habitat was gone. All Samantha, right. did you meet John? Not yet. Hi, John. How are you? I'm good. How are you? What's your last name? My last name is Matthews. And who are you? I am a volunteer and I live kind of close to the river here and Anything along the stretch is kind of a sweet spot for my volunteer activities. 
Nice. So you're one of the thousand volunteers I heard about? I would be, yes. What do you do as a volunteer? Well, what I've done here is is uh, they they call me a plot lead, and I just kind of coordinate work days. So when people come from all over the valley, I mean, we have a couple gals that come from Nampa to help out. Wow. And uh, we started by pulling out a bunch of invasives, and then we we go and we've planted about two thousand plants in our plots, and then we go back out and kind of nurture them, throw water at them, and cage them up and protect them from the deer and um, sing to them so they grow. Lots of singing, huh? Yeah, huh? Whatever it takes. Nice. Wow. How big is a plot? They're, they're about a half acre. Wow. I have two plots, so I call it a good acre. Nice. If you want to see something really cool, right here at the river is a big old beaver dam. Really? Oh my god. I mean, you can see it. It's right here. It's what's, too much well, harm. What's planted here? Oh, yeah, so there's a whole variety of plants. They're all Idaho natives. Um, and, you know, uh, when you ask me to list them off, that's when my mind goes blank. But we can start with three different kinds of sagebrush, which includes basin big sagebrush, silver sagebrush, and white sagebrush. Uh, other other shrubs that we plant include rabbit brush, uh, choke cherry, uh, bitter brush, um, uh, a lot of other shrubs. Um, in terms of the wildflowers that we produce, is, uh, they all have kind of funny names, it seems like, but we have um, gooseberry leaf globe mallow, for example, is one of the plants. We have showy golden eye. We also plant a lot of milkweed. Uh, so showy milkweed, narrow leaf milkweed, swamp milkweed. We're planting all of that. Uh, we have various kinds of experts, people that are professional horticulturists, professional hydrologists, that's people who study water and how it works, soil scientists, wetlands uh, specialists. And we, we leverage those people who, you know, work their day jobs and then spend a little bit of extra time volunteering on this project because none of them are getting paid. But we marshal all that expertise. And so, for example, to answer your questions about how do we choose plants, we have uh, a bunch of plant experts. And so as opposed to us trying to pick and choose off a list, you know, of some website or something like that, we have experts that know what they're doing. They have access to seed sources and they have knowledge and expertise about how to grow them. And so we, we bring those those that professional experience to bear and as john said you know part of the whole process is training uh people who maybe didn't spend their earlier part of their lives or or their careers on this kind of stuff but they want to learn and they want to give back and so we we're building our knowledge base as we go and so uh, although maybe a few people were involved in selecting the plant species earlier on we end up with hundreds of people that are growing these plants in some cases in their backyard uh in some cases uh in in schools we work with a bunch of schools and we bring the, the seeds and the soil to the schools and have students uh, sow the seeds and grow them till they're you know big enough to come to bring them out here and plant them so that's uh, you know that's one example of the way that we kind of bring the community together we try and bring experts out and and bring their knowledge out and, and and expose it to people who maybe don't have the knowledge but have the passion about caring for the river and caring for wild things and so that's how we try and build communities so uh, this has got to be um, all kinds of um, rewarding, I guess. Oh, very much. When I started doing this, I didn't know a lot. I just wanted to jump in and help. And I've been exposed to so many incredible people in town, like Sean, who are 
educated me in so many ways. I've become involved with the Golden Eagle Audubon Association. I've learned so much more about birds than I ever thought I would learn. And, and my, my thing really is habitat. I'm more of a habitat person than plants and taking care of where the animals live than I am an animal person, but I've learned so much about birds and native birds. And it's just been, it's been a lot of fun. Um, the intent is that, and the way that we have this designed is that we're going to maintain these plots very intentionally for two years. And that by that time, the roots of these native plants will have gotten down to the water table. And so they'll be self-sustaining. We, so we won't need to water them anymore. So we have two years after the plantings to make sure that these, that these plants are well-rooted and well-established. And then we come in and we remove all of these protection tubes and it just kind of goes back to nature. Uh, we continue to, we will be monitoring plant survival, we're monitoring pollinator attendance at these plots, and we're monitoring bird populations uh, around these plots. And we'll do that through the end of 2024 to evaluate what our actual conservation outcomes are. Um, and then either, you know, well, this place kind of goes back to nature and then we move to another place on the river and, and do the whole thing over again. Yeah, we, we think of this as a model for community engaged conservation, right? We bring the professionals in who have the experience in the background to train our general volunteer corps who are eager to do it. It's things like Master Naturalists, how John got involved in this situation and how uh, many people do to bring our students, our, our K through 12 and even college age students out here to get a taste of nature, to see what they're doing. You know, they complain about digging holes, yes, but when they look back at this, they go, holy cow, right? This place does not look like when we came here. And um, so everyone gets that sense of accomplishment. And, um, and so this community engaged conservation is really the only way we're gonna be able to do this, especially in an urban setting like this. I mean, if you think about, you know, the big sagebrush country south of town, right? That's the place that Bureau of Land Management and our big government agencies are out there with you know lots of money and resources and they're working hard to try and restore those areas. But nobody's gonna come in to a, you know, a five or six acre plot that's a weedy patch around here along the Boise River. It's just not gonna happen. It's only gonna happen if the community wants it. And we know everyone loves the Boise River, so all we're doing is to teaching them how to give that love while you're getting it. So joining us now are Danae Fells. She's with the Golden Eagle Audubon Society, and she is the project coordinator for the Boise River Rewild Project. Sean Finn, who works for Fish and Wildlife by day and volunteers as the project lead, and volunteer John Matthews. All three are joining us this afternoon. Nice to have you on the program. Thanks, Gemma. Happy to be here. So, Sean, I'd like to start with you. Can you talk to us about one of the biggest reasons that you've decided to undertake this project? Uh, my understanding is the birds, right? So can you talk about the, the dramatic drop in bird populations? Sure, Gemma. Thanks for having us. You know, very reliable published science shows us that bird populations across the board in North America have declined by more than 30 percent since about 1970. And that includes birds that live and you know rely on rivers and riverside habitat like we have on the Boise River. So, for example, we've lost about 32% of the kinds of birds that eat insects by catching them out of the air, birds like swallows. And that's sad because, of course, the birds are beautiful to watch and to listen to. But listeners may know that a single swallow can eat more than 800 mosquitoes in one day. So we're, we're, we're losing more than just this beauty. 
the birds kind of act like a sentinel or a signal to us that something's wrong. Several factors contribute to that dramatic loss of birds, but the main culprit is habitat loss. You know, and in fact, parallel data tells us that we are losing important insects like pollinators this rapidly, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the pollinators have all kinds of value to us, to our crops and and to the the beautification of our landscape. Uh, But we're losing habitat, including nectar and berry producing plants along places like the Boise River. And and that the capacity of those plants and and birds and, and pollinators to nurture the wild things and to nurture humans as well. And Danae, why did the Golden Eagle Audubon Society decide to uh, become a part of this project? Yes, well, for those who have not heard of us, the Golden Eagle Audubon Society is the Southwest Idaho chapter of the National Audubon Society. And our mission is to build understanding, appreciation, and respect for the natural world in order to conserve and restore natural ecosystems for birds and other wildlife. Um, we celebrated our 50th anniversary as an organization last year. So we've been around a while um, mm-hmm. and we do a lot of birding field trips and education, but uh, preserving and restoring natural areas is just one of the best ways that we can protect that habitat. So Sean, can you describe the plot of land um, that you're trying to rewild and, and what it looks like and where it is? Sure. So we're working on a piece of uh, the river, a portion of the river that's upstream of downtown. It's around the area that folks call the Barber Pool, but it stretches from about East Park Center Bridge all the way up to the Black Cliffs there. You know, it's a mixture of public and private lands along both banks of the river. But I just want to let folks know that the Rewild Project, which is supported by the city of Boise and the Levy Fund, uh, is focused on public lands in this geography. So the city, county, uh, and state park lands along the river, as well as open space. So in, in this area, there's some nice patches of cottonwood forest, you know, the kinds, the kinds of forest, the kind of habitat that the early trappers identified and called Le Bois, right, the place of trees. Mm. Um, and so that still exists in places along the river. And those, but those cottonwood patches are getting smaller, uh, even though they're still a familiar site. So people would recognize that. Um, they're critical to maintain and enhance those cottonwoods. Um, but it's those smaller native plants, what we call the understory of shrubs, grasses, and wildflowers that are being replaced with noxious weeds. And those weeds, as I mentioned, don't do anything to feed and nurture our native pollinators and birds the same way that native plants do. Uh, so many Boise residents and visitors who walk through the greenbelt or fish in the river may not notice this mm-hmm. change. Um, but it's what we say when, you know, it's what we mean when we say habitat loss and those drab weeds are less colorful. They don't feed butterflies and hummingbirds. Uh, and so it looks a little bit different. It takes a keen eye to notice it, but, but uh, we're, we're concerned that we're losing all of those great resources. So, John, I want to bring you into the conversation. What made you decide to volunteer to be a part of this project as well? Well, I do live near the area, but I spend a lot of time recreating along the river and various uh, activities that I do. And it's just an easy thing for me to access because it is very close to where I live. And uh, But at the same point, we have volunteers that come all the way from Napa. One of my favorite barb drives in from Napa each time we do one of these activities. It really is. Uh, it's a resource of the entire Treasure Valley. But mm-hmm. I just love the opportunity to, to give back to something that I really care about. 
And John, I know there are like some little tubes of plastic around each plant that volunteers planted last year. So I'm curious, do you know how many plants you planted last year? And then can you describe the purpose of putting the little uh, tubes of plastic around the plants? You bet. Our team planted nearly a thousand plants in each of our two plots. And it really is a team. This work takes many, many hands and the work really is just done via the hands of the volunteers. But we planted everything from bushes, of which sage and bitterbrush are my favorite, trees, grasses, what I call pollinator floral, and my favorite there is the globe mallow, and then uh, the very important milkweed for the monarchs. So we've planted each of those plants into a hole that we've dug, and we've uh, surrounded it with mulch, and then we put up those baskets to protect it, even though the the habitat we're creating is for the animals. Well, the habitat is young. We want to protect it because a deer can come along and munch those down very quickly. So while those plants are growing, we do protect them with those uh, plastic cages, which to me look like little uh, laundry baskets, but they do a very, very good job of mm-hmm. protecting our growing little plants. So, Danae, where did the money come from um, for the project? And and are you partnering with uh, other organizations? We definitely have some great partnerships. Um, Golden Eagle partnered with the city of Boise and received a grant for through the city levy funds that covers our materials and services. And that was a big part of the equation. Um, we do have over 30 other partners that are helping with in-kind resources. Um, we have the College of Western Idaho, the Intermountain Bird, Bird Observatory, Trout Unlimited, uh, Boise River Enhancement Network, Ada County Parks, Soil and Water Conservation District, Land Trust of Treasure Valley, and many, many, many more. Uh, we've got some <laughs> schools, a lot of school groups that are coming out and doing the hands-on labor um, mm-hmm. so we're so grateful for Riverstone International and Everwild Forest School, Mountain View Elementary. And we even have some businesses like uh, Micron that's adopted a plot. And um, the Idaho businesses for the outdoors and all their, their members that have also adopted a plot. Mm-hmm. So, so we had sh- over 4,000 volunteer hours last year. Wow. And all that adds up to some good-looking plants in the, near the river. Well, and thanks to the volunteers, I mean, you are able to be moving these projects forward. But, Sean, I know that um, you have, th- there are kind of like five main parts of the project. Can you quickly describe those for folks? Sure, Gemma. So, as, as Danae mentioned, we grow uh, most of the plant materials that we put out there from seed. And we do that because it's very cost-effective. If we tried to buy plants on the commercial market, uh, we'd be priced out right away. So we just do this mm. all with our volunteers and with our passion to grow these plants. So we grow them. We also do shoreline protection where we're trying to reduce erosion to improve water quality and protect some of that habitat along the Boise River. So that's a little bit of fencing and a lot of planting to try and manage the use of the, right, the immediate shoreline of the river. Uh, we do litter pickups because we recognize that that beauty portion of it has to do with, you know, sort of the place looking and being clean. So we pick up litter we also do, as I mentioned, you know, some pretty intensive weight, uh, invasive weed management, and that includes 
uh, sawing down invasive Russian olive trees that are competing with those cottonwoods we talked about. Uh, but we also mm-hmm. removed tons of other nasty weeds like goat head and cheatgrass. And I think everyone knows why we do that. Uh, they not only don't do anything for the wildlife, but they do a number on your shoes and socks, uh, bicycle tires and stuff like that. So all that comes together into this, one of our main goals, or two main goals, are do this native biodiversity restoration. And our goal, as we said, is to restore 50 acres of riverside habitat. And while we're doing that is to engage the community through education and outreach. And that includes everything from recruiting and training volunteers to visiting classrooms and community groups and talking to them about why it's important to care for the river. It's good to love it, but you got to care for it, too. And then also things like placing signs, uh, you know, so that we can um, continue to uh, make sure that people recognize the value and the importance of being being stewards of the of the river. Mm-hmm. And Sean, with that said, what's the next stage of the project, and what do you need in uh, in twenty twenty three? Well, we're going to double down this year, Gemma. We we kind of piloted this project in twenty twenty two. And we were able to plant out 18 acres, uh, remove, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pounds of, of invasive species. But we really only got about a third of the work done. Uh, the, the other two thirds of the work done, we kind of planned for 2023, kind of after we, you know, tested out our field methods and things like that. So we still have thousands of plants to grow, tons of weeds to remove and lots of plants to plant. Uh, in addition to that, more litter to remove, more shoreline to protect, and more education and outreach. So in order to be successful, we hope to bring on to add several hundred volunteers to this project. And there are roles and there are tasks for all ages and all abilities, you know, whether you're new to the valley or you've been here your whole life, right? You may be an expert botanist or you might just want to contribute and have fun. And I want to mention that the fun part is really, really out there. I mean, we always have fun (laughs) when we're doing this. So you, Boise citizens, people of the Valley are invited to join Rewild. So, Danae, with that said, as as Sean just mentioned, I mean, you need a lot of volunteers. So tell us how folks can can get involved, because I think you have an event coming up. Definitely. We still need many more hands to join us. And if you have a group of friends um, or a business, a classroom, scout troop, church group, anything like that, We'd love to have people adopt a plot with our project and we have a sign where you can put your name on it. And when people walk by, they will know whose good work is happening there. Mm. Um, We'll have a, we have a kickoff event tomorrow, Friday afternoon at four o'clock at the Boise main library. And it's going to be a great informational session um, so come on by and hear about all the ways that you can get involved. Okay. So John, um, Sean said that volunteers have a lot of fun. So since you're a volunteer, I want to hear from you. How fun is this? It really is fun. It's definitely been an activity that uh, provides reward. It's easy to look back at the end of a work party and you can look over where you've planted or nurtured or pulled invasives, and you can visibly see what you've accomplished. And there's a solid, solid connection there. And, you know, on top of that, you've spent the day along what I call my favorite river. It's a beautiful place to be. And it's Mm -hmm. a beautiful place to be able to help out with what's going on out there. And I've just been so amazed at how much I've learned uh, in my participation with this project. I've learned a lot about habitat, conservation and wildlife, 
literally the birds and the bees and how very, very mm-hmm. critical they are for, for everything that, that we do and eat. It's just the, the volunteer community is, is positive. The people that are working here, are they all want to be there. And we do have a good time and we laugh and we enjoy the nature and we share nature with one another. And it's just, it's in a very enjoyable time along the river. I absolutely have enjoyed every bit of it. Well, I want to thank all of you for coming in and talking more about this with us. We've been speaking with Danae Fells. She's with the Golden Eagle Audubon Society. She's the project coordinator for the Boise River Rewild Project. Sean Finn, who works for Fish and Wildlife by Day and volunteers as the project lead, along with volunteer John Matthews. Now, the project is kicking off 2023 tomorrow at 4 p.m., as we mentioned, at the main branch of the Boise Public Library. They do need your help to restore the Boise River, and we are so lucky to have the Boise River. So come on down and sign up, or you can do that online as well to volunteer. We've also got pictures of Samantha and Hannah's trip to the river. You can check all of that out on our website, boisestatepublicradio.org. Thanks so much for listening to Idaho Matters. Boise State Public Radio and Idaho Matters are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Gemma Gaudette. We'll see you tomorrow. This is Chip Brantley, co-host of the NPR podcast, White Lies. Before we found the man in Vancouver, before we sued the State Department, before we snuck into the graveyard of a federal penitentiary, all we had were the photographs. Photographs of a group of Cuban men standing on the roof of a prison in rural Alabama. That's this season on the NPR podcast, White Lies.